another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Ben Gessling at TCO Performance Center in Egan, where the Vikings are preparing for the Green Bay Packers on Sunday night, a New Year's Eve game that could be an elimination game uh, for their playoff chances, depending on what happens beforehand on Sunday. Kind of a loser leaves town game for either one of these teams. Honestly, it might as well be an elimination game either way. Um, but if technically, if the Rams win against the Giants at noon and then the Seahawks win against the Steelers at three, the Vikings would be eliminated with a loss to Green Bay. Um, they would need to win to keep pace with both of those teams that currently hold the NFC wildcard spots. You guys have a lot of questions. Very few of them are about the playoffs after the Vikings have lost three of the last four. I understand. I really do. Uh, we're going to start here for you. <laughs> we're going to start with this question from Gordon who asks, is the legendary Harrison Smith a potential cap casualty this offseason? Funny, Ben, we were just standing in the locker room here uh, with the Vikings and there aren't many players around this time of year. Yeah. They don't love talking to the media after losing three of the last four. Uh, so we have time to shoot uh, the breeze and, and uh, ask questions like this. Uh, what do you think, though? When we were talking about it before, what uh, do you want to say to our listeners about the future of Harrison Smith? Well, I mean, yes, I think that's certainly a good question about his status as a possible cap casualty. He is due to be back next year at a cap number of $19.2 million. There is... No way I see him being back at that number. It would be a matter of doing what they did last year and probably revising his base salary for 2024. I would think cutting that number fairly significantly to get him back here. His base salary for next year is scheduled to be $14.45 million. So if you cut that in half... I could see that. I mean, I, I think that's probably about the number we'd be talking about because he would have $7.8 million of dead money anyway. So I could see them saying, we will keep you basically at at um, a number that's a little bit larger than what we would have had to count anyway. But yeah, I, I would think so. I mean, the thing that would be in his favor is that Lewis Seen hasn't panned out to this point um if they are going to be in the same system if brian flores is back i think there'd be a lot of desire to have harrison smith back they play three safeties all the time anyway um i mean that's basically their base defense josh patellis has been on the field for all but two snaps since the 49ers game i believe so they, they basically have been in that look all of the time which means he's on the field all the time so there i would think would be a desire to have him back but there's a number for these things, and I can't imagine the number he's at right now is the one he'd come back at. I, I don't think he's going to be a guy that goes and, and necessarily plays anywhere else. I mean, I, I would think he'd want to be here. He wanted to be here last year, wants to play for Flores, enjoys his system. Um, I think there's a lot of reasons for them to work it out both on both sides. But So I don't know that he's going to draw the hardest line in the sand, but certainly it would take a, a restructured contract for him to be back. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation. That incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. 
I would assume if anybody's going to be taking less to stay with the Vikings, Harrison Smith already did that, as you mentioned, um, last year to stick with Brian Flores. And Harrison Smith talked about how Flores coming here was a big reason why he wanted to stay here and he contemplated retirement. So the first question to answer before we get to this one is, does he want to play again? Yeah, that, I think that's I mean, he'll be 35 in yeah. February. So I think that's going to be the first thing he has to answer for himself and he's to his own admission he's at his best in front of the media in terms of uh opening up and talking uh, in april when there aren't any games and he's had a lot of time you know for his body to heal and he was really honest last april talking about how the process he goes through every off season of how does my body feel how, athletically do i feel like i still have it am i still fast enough to compete at this game and he felt like he answered all those questions yes last year and then the flores um, hiring here is what really kind of also led to him coming back. So if Flores is still here, I, I think it's just going to come down to whether or not he feels like he can still compete and still play. I don't know how to judge how much of an impact he's had this year. I think we know behind the scenes the impact he's had on the field. The statistics haven't totally been there for no. him yet. Hasn't um, had an interception. I shouldn't say yet. It's 15 games in. Um, yeah, hasn't had a pick. Uh, hasn't had. I mean, he had one game where he had was it two and a half or three sacks yeah, or against something the like Panthers. that. Um, but largely, he he's been kind of more of a role player in this system, and certainly a big uh, influencer behind the scenes. So he has to answer whether or not he wants to come back. They have to answer whether or not they still view him as a starting caliber player here, because I doubt he'd come back to be a, a reserve. No, no, I can't imagine that. I mean, the the other question I think is, do they want to be in a situation where they have three safeties on the field all the time, yeah. or was this what they felt was the best fit for this particular team? I mean, we talked, I think, about the cornerback situation the other day and the need for help there. I wonder if they felt better about their cornerback depth if they would say, okay, we've got Bynum and Metellus, and we'll roll with that. I guess the question there is, do you like Josh Metellus as a deep safety, or do you want him kind of in this floating role that he's had which he's done very well so maybe they would not see him as just let's pop him back in one of those safety spots and roll with that um i i mean a lot of these questions are going to depend on whether brian flores is back or whether he gets a head coaching job certainly i if he does not get a head coaching job i'm sure the vikings would absolutely be thrilled to have him back but that's the first domino that has to fall in all of this is brian flores it is and whether or not they make the playoffs whether or not that defense is the main reason they make the playoffs could go a long way. Certainly to deciding that, Job wants to know, assuming we keep losing, what reason should we keep watching for? Um, well, I suppose you'd keep watching to assume that they don't lose. Um, but if you're rooting for a loss, uh, I, I feel like the development of this young roster is reason to keep watching. But also, if it's a nice Sunday out and you want to go do something else, I'm not going to make you no. sit there and watch it. <laughs> no, I mean, it, you know, it's New Year's Eve night. Yeah, if I heard you, that. If you want to be yeah. um, spending your New Year's Eve yeah. <laughs> in some type of revelry that does not involve getting mad at the TV and, and throwing things and uh, taking your frustrations out on your favorite football team, I mean, you know. You can read about it the next day in the Star Tribune. And we'll have it all covered for there you. There you go. Yeah. So we will watch for you. We watch so you don't have to. <laughs> um, I mean, we'll we'll have a better sense by Sunday night yeah. if this is going to be, you know, a, a possible elimination game. We'll we'll know that by kickoff on Sunday whether they could be 
on their last legs. So, I mean, there's that, but yeah, I, I get it. It it does have a feeling of even if they were to get in, it's not likely to really go anywhere without a quarterback yeah. that they feel like they can trust every week. So, um, yeah, I understand the the uh, the degree of this is the time of year if I were a Vikings fan or if I were a fan of any team out of it or feeling like you were out of it where I would probably find something else to do. But you know what? To each their own. And I would I think if you were still diehard, watch every minute regardless. There's still plenty to watch for in terms of a lot of the young guys who are going to get shots on this team. Who's playing edge rusher? Yeah, without T.J. Wanham. Yeah. I mean, Patrick Jones is going to have to start because he's literally the only guy with any experience on this team. But the first guy off the bench then is Andre Carter, and then it's just two guys on the practice squad who have not played a snap for this team. And Quincy Roche and, oh boy, Austin Shepard, I believe, I think. Boy, that's that's well done. Oh, wait, is that the name? Oh, man, I might be confusing him with a sixth-round offensive lineman from like 10 years ago. I remember that, Austin uh, Shepard. Um Either way, Austin is it Austin Shed? Is that what I just I don't, said? I don't think that's yeah. it. No, man. Either way, <laughs> they don't have a whole lot. So to see if Patrick Jones can be some kind of guy, because DJ Wanham, that was a horrific injury at a bad, bad <laughs> yep. time for yes. him. He's a free agent in March. He was a 2020 fourth round pick. Um, started 62 ga- or appeared in 62 games and started 30 plus of them for the Vikings. And it's Austin been, Bryant was that we were there thinking? we go Bryant I was confusing him with a Alabama I think offensive lineman yes from a long time yes ago. yep um, I remember Austin Shepard <laughs> um, I, I do think there's plenty to watch if you are a diehard and you are all in you know the names on this roster and the guys that you are going to be thinking who can take the next step in 2024 and all those things you know the people that are still watching and listening are this. the are the people that were yes. sitting there the last 30 seconds screaming at the podcast it's austin bryant you <laughs> moron <laughs> or they're the people who are listening to this podcast at all so job credit to you for being somebody who's considering shutting it off but being a listener to this podcast because you got to be a diehard to be all in on that um uh, yes, I don't know who's rushing the passer for them. Who's covering a corner? Is Byron Murphy going to come back? Um, yeah, there's a lot of questions right now. Uh, also, I mean, uh, Caleb Evans got benched in that game. I presume he's going to be back because they don't have many other options. But could it be Andrew Booth's show if they want to get a look at somebody else? Um, there's going to be a lot of questions about how this team coaches the last couple games, too. Um, this one, they're still in contention. So you assume they're going to play everybody that, that can get them to win. But we did have a question here from Bradley about Jaron Hall. And because we're recording this at a time where the official announcement has not been made, I want to tweak this question, um, into why did it take so long to even consider Jaron Hall for this spot? Because when they made the switch from Josh Dobbs, it was pretty clear that they were only considering Dobbs and Mullins. Yep coming out of the bye week they stick with Dobbs it doesn't go well and so obviously they make the switch uh in that Vegas game to Mullins and then we here we are after Mullins crashes so Bradley wanted to know why is Hall even in consideration this week and why is it taking so long um in general why is it taking so long to consider Hall uh do you think Ben well I mean I th- think I mean we don't see practice every day but if you're if you extrapolate based on what we saw in training camp I I think a lot of it probably is how much do they feel like he's capable of running the offense to its full capacity I I think that's the thing that if Nick Mullins has anything going for him it's the the time in the offense the fact that he's more of a veteran we've heard Kevin O'Connell talk about this I think with a rookie you probably feel like you're giving something up there I mean we the 
22 snaps we've seen from him, especially that second series in Atlanta. It certainly looked promising, but 22 snaps is not enough to sit there and say that he's done everything he needs to do to take the job and run with it, especially compared to what coaches see in practice every single day. So I think a lot of it has been you know, just rookie development. I mean, he's not a guy that ran a pro-style offense. I mean, they were some pro-style concepts at BYU, but it's not to, it's not like this. So I think there's just a lot to learn, and they probably haven't wanted to rush that any more than necessary. Yeah, do you remember in camp, I think it was the start of camp, um, I'm trying to remember the exact scenario why we would have been asking him these questions, but um, there was maybe there's a portion where he was struggling in camp, and I remember there's a scrum with Hall, and he basically had to say, like, yeah, this offseason going from OTAs, my first OTAs, obviously, because he just got drafted into my first training camp, I had to just study the play calls, yeah. like, and learn how to recite all of them, get them out. Like, it's just kind of procedural stuff that wasn't going so well, just even this summer. And he's talked about, uh, I remember I talked to him after the Falcons game because he had a concussion, wasn't available for a couple weeks. We couldn't talk to him until I'm trying to remember the exact game, but it might have been the Denver week or, or that's the, probably about right. Yeah. The Bears week. And and he talked about how far he's come in that sense and how far he's felt because you've mentioned the pro style offense thing. That was a learning process for him anyway. And I think when you see it in practice, and at least in camp when we were allowed to watch full practices, it was really easy to see where the hiccups were and see how this wasn't running smoothly. Um, and so I could see how for a coach, you get real apprehensive to throw a guy out there. So I think the short answer to me to this question would be they didn't put him out there because they just didn't flatly didn't believe he gave them the best chance to win. Yeah, and I, I think it's still about that. I mean, I don't think they have moved into development mode. And maybe if they lose this game on Sunday and they're eliminated, you probably, like you say, that that could be the approach you take in the finale is give him the start, play a lot of these younger guys or – see how he does with Justin Jefferson I, I mean I guess you could go that route but um, you could take more of a developmental focus at that point I don't think they're there yet I think if if he is in fact the starter on Sunday night it would be because they feel like they've seen enough from Nick Mullins and Josh Dobbs to say these are not better options than what we have in Jaron Hall to try to win a game and potentially extend our season um, yeah, and it's going to be fascinating to see if, if we do see Jaron Hall out there, what he can do against a Green Bay defense that will be without Jair Alexander, who was suspended for the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard a player be suspended for. Um, but Green Bay wasn't playing too well with him anyway. No. So it might not matter. No, he, he's had a back injury all season that I think has affected him, but certainly has not looked like the same guy. And let's just say that people in the division have noticed and may have been perceiving him differently in terms of the challenge that it would be to play against him based on what it has been in the past. Uh, we've got a question here from, I believe, Gami. Longtime listener wants to know, I feel like the pendulum is starting to swing back in the direction of them keeping Kirk. And he's asking in reference to Ben's latest statements on the last podcast. He said, is that the case or do we still believe the Vikings will attempt to draft a first-round quarterback? Well, I think there is certainly going to be a discussion between Cousins and the Vikings. I, I think there's enough interest, there's enough goodwill probably on both sides, enough of a an open relationship there yeah. that – 
they will at least talk about it. I, I think the big question is going to be quarterback polygamy. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> that's going to be one of. The, I mean, the, there are two questions here. I, I think, um, what's the price, and would they draft a quarterback after signing Kirk Cousins? Um, you know, would they take one in the first round and say you're going to come in and be Jordan Love? to Kirk Cousins, Aaron Rodgers, or Aaron Rodgers to Kirk Cousins, Brett Favre, whichever one you want to use, um, would they go that route? And how would he feel about that? How would that affect negotiations? Would that be something they would have to discuss with him before he signs? I, I would assume it's going to come up because he's going to sign with the Vikings or someone else a month and a half before the draft. So that discussion will have to be had and and maybe he'll say you know what a couple of more years and I can kind of write my legacy here and you know maybe win a make a playoff run maybe get to a Super Bowl all of the things that he likes are here in terms of the offense the coaching staff yeah. the weapons he'd have Justin Jefferson Jordan Addison they'll get TJ Hawkinson back eventually um, you know, that's that's a big question for next year, I think, is when they're going to get T.J. Hawkins back and in what state is he going to come back after that major injury that he sustained on Sunday with the two torn ligaments. But he has a lot going for him. Cousins has a lot going for him here. So I think there is going to be a – certainly going to be a discussion, certainly going to be interest on both sides of getting something done. The question will be, does he say, I want 40 million dollars a year and I am not – coming off of that because I'm going to have options elsewhere. If, if, if it goes that way, it's hard for me it's, to see it getting done. But, um, you know, we've seen over the last few weeks what life looks like without him. Justin Jefferson's talked about it, talked with reporters again about it today or on, on Wednesday. And um, there's, I think, some things that have played in the favor of a reunion. Um I could also see it being something where if they are so set on drafting somebody and he doesn't want to kind of be in that type of a situation, that that maybe breaks it down. Because I know there has been a lot of interest in a young, cheap quarterback as well. So I, a lot of those dynamics are going to probably tip it one way or the other. I was going to bring that part of it up because I feel like that's the, the undercurrent that you and I both heard from uh, various people about how – this front office has been enamored with, and you reported last spring about with Anthony Richardson, like how much they have been looking toward the future. And that was after a playoff loss in which on fourth and eight, you know, there's a check down. Yeah. And so how far we've come in one year where yes, Kirk was playing at an all pro level, I feel like we're close to it, at least in consideration in those first, however many games. Um, and especially as they picked up and started getting on that winning streak, yeah before he went down probably uh, Kevin O'Connell's words were hit the best football he's played. Yep. Um, those are pretty strong words in considering how they can leave a better impression than where we were at this time last year. Yeah. I, I think that's been a big part of it. I think seeing that it's as Justin Jefferson said in response to your question on Sunday, this job is hard. It's not, that easy to just kind of find somebody else who can go do it at the level that he's done it. Yeah. Is he the best quarterback in the league? No, I don't think anybody is saying that, but certainly was among the best, at least this season with the way he was playing when he got hurt. Yeah. So there's that piece of it. I just, the big question to me is going to be how 
much is either side of this willing to come off of its sort of post, I guess, whether that's Cousins saying, I want market value, which is over $40 million a year, even coming off a torn Achilles, if he were to say that, or if it's the Vikings saying, we're not paying you more than X because you are going to be 36, you've been injured, at least last season, even though you haven't been injured previously, that's going to affect your price. And we want to bring in a young quarterback because, yes, we've both talked about it. They were looking into that group last year. They were thinking about Caleb Williams and Drake May. I mean, they were very aware of this draft class, even at this point last year. And there's been a lot of work done in this building through the course of the fall on these rookie quarterbacks. And there may be... I mean, there's certainly, if you would ask me this question September or October, um, there was a lot of momentum towards drafting a quarterback, and then that's that. The way Cousins played, I think, has changed this to some degree. I will be curious which one of these things wins out and then how much the price point, you know, maybe affects it. Because if he were to say, I'll, I'll take a little bit less and you can draft a guy, I get it. I want to come in and, and try to go off as a winner and then, yeah. you know, hand it over to the next guy. I, I don't think that'd be that hard to get done. But is anybody going to get to the point where they say, yeah, we are all on the same page there and there aren't any uh, damaged egos or hurt feelings? That's Obviously, that's part of this too. It's it not was, just dollars and cents. It's it's people. It was, a, it was a few years ago, but Kirk has said multiple times, I think, since he's been here that he doesn't want to be like Tom Brady and play into his 40s. Yeah. Uh, I don't I feel know. Like that's if, starting to change though. Yeah, with, with you know, sports science is a, a, a really blatant, blanket term to just say with the way that people are very conscious and how they treat their bodies. Um, I mean, yeah, I think it might've changed perhaps that he waited until now to suffer his first major injury, but Kirk is the only one who could answer that along this line of though, the quarterback class, Nick had a question about all of the quarterbacks and he lists Caleb Williams, Drake may Jaden Daniels, Bo Nix, Michael Penix and JJ McCarthy. Uh, he asked a question that's impossible to answer. Is who can you get at pick 11? Who could you have at pick 20? I think it's more of a – it's a good jumping off point, though, to discuss this class as a whole of, like, how many quarterbacks could we be talking about? And could this be potentially a draft class where the Vikings don't have to move up to number two for Drake May uh, if they love enough of a guy? And I think a la of a draft that was, like, with a Josh Allen who was available at, a, at number seven or a Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson who had enough question marks – and were available uh, 10, 12, or whatever it was. This seems like a class where there could be enough names where if Kevin O'Connell liked a guy enough, they could talk themselves into, you know what, this quarterback of the future might not have to be one of those top two. Yeah, I I think the key, like you said, will be what does Kevin O'Connell think of the options that they might get with pick 10, pick 12, pick 14, wherever they're going to end up picking. If they don't, love anybody that they think they're going to get there I don't think they are going to sit back and say you know we'll just try it again later I I think if they feel like I mean this there's a couple of stages to this decision let's for a second assume they decide Kirk is gone we are going into the draft to take a quarterback They'll sign some stopgap or whatever. Let, let's say we're sitting here in April and it plays out that way. If they, in their e- evaluation of it, say 
the guys that we want, whether it's Williams or May or you know whoever you'd put third in that group, whether it's Penix or McCarthy or or Knicks or you know Jaden Daniels, whoever. It's probably not McCarthy, but yeah, yeah. But you know, say whoever whoever they think it is, whoever they think is going to be at the top of the draft based on what they assume the rest of the league does. If yeah. they were to say we have to be in the top five to get one of these guys or we have to be in the top two or three to get one of these guys, I don't think they're going to let that hold them back. I really think, based on the way they operated last year and based on some of the things I've heard, that if they see this is an opportunity to get the guy for the next 10 years, they're not going to let something stop them from doing it. I I really believe based on how they think about this position and based on some of the things I've heard about the way they may approach this draft, I just don't think they're going to be, you know, penny wise and pound foolish or whatever. They're, they're not going to be spendthrift about it. I don't think. Do you have a analytics data minded front office who wants to be aggressive at getting the next quarterback boy, two losses would sure help. It sure would over the next couple yeah, of weeks, especially with all these teams sitting at seven and eight. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a log jam. The entire league, basically, yeah. you could fall between. I mean, there's no uh, coincidence why Nick mentions pick picks 11 through 20 because that feels like the range of where the yeah. Vikings could ob- obviously yeah. be. I mean, if they um, make the playoffs, you're picking 19th, right? Yeah. Yep. So I just feel like this is going to be quite the range. And I just after watching the Big Ten title game, though, how could you say J.J. McCarthy when he couldn't march down the field yeah. again? And I know I was good at defense or whatever, but. Anyway, I, it's, it'll be fascinating to see how these guys are ranked by all the draft Knicks. More fascinating to see how they're ranked by the teams once uh, the, the draft happens next spring. But this will be something we talk about a lot, uh, something we dove in a little bit today as we get into the quarterback discussions, and we'll see what the Vikings end up doing on Sunday with quarterback X. Nick Mullins again, probably Jaron Hall, maybe. We'll see. We'll talk to you from U.S. Bank Stadium on Sunday night. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.